Welcome, everyone, to the Grit, Give, Recognize, Implement Time podcast, the path to empowerment and overcoming negativity. I'm your host, Stephen Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More. It's a world-class coaching agency, and I can't wait for what we have in store for you today. So let's go ahead and dig in. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Grit, Give, Recognize, Implement Time podcast. I'm your host, Steve Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More. Today, we're switching gears a little bit, and we're going to get into strategy. More specifically, how do I be more strategic? And it's one of those million-dollar questions. A lot of times, people getting into leadership for the first time, being in a new leadership role, even going from manager to senior manager to director, senior director, vice president, a lot of times this question comes up of, I'm being told by my boss, I need to be more strategic. What the heck does that mean? Brings up one other very, very valid point is it's often a statement, I need you to be more strategic, but there's no guidance that's put forth. So what does that truly mean? Guess what? Today, we're going to answer this for you. What does it mean? It means being future focused. It means being more high level, proactive. It means to plan. It's stepping out of the day-to-day, the tactical, the reactionary, and getting into that higher level, future-focused, proactive planning. How do we do this? It can be hard because we get stuck so much into that day-to-day. I've got to be in the weeds. I've got to know what my team is doing. I've got to jump in and help them out as needed. There's so many things that come up. How am I supposed to plan when I can't even handle what's on my plate or coming across my board? And right, there's too much to do. In the seven habits of highly effective people, there's a lot of great conversation around this very topic of getting out of the reactionary, dealing with the urgent, important stuff, and shifting into the important, non-urgent stuff. So if you're familiar with that and familiar with getting out of, say, quadrant one and getting into quadrant two, this is what we're talking about. One thing to make this a little bit easier to do and to digest is to just take a one-year time frame as an example. As a team, let's say, or a frontline manager, and I have a team, what do I want to accomplish? Now, we naturally do this already in organizations. You may have OKRs that roll down to you. You may have goals that are for the team that are rolled down to you. We may even have goals in our own personal development plans, and so will our folks that we're leading. What do those say? So we already kind of naturally do goal planning on a yearly basis in organizations. So this is a example right in line with that because we can use that end post. And that's one of the very first things to know is what is that end post and what is that time frame? So let's just say we have OKRs and over the course of this year, 
here's the objectives and the key results that we're looking to achieve. When we know that, then we can actually back out of it. So in order to achieve this in the next year, what perhaps needs to get done in this first quarter? What needs to get done, say, by second quarter, by Q3, by Q4? Your organization may not use quarters or may use quarters and halves. So you may have H1 and H2 as well. So we can break it down that way. Whatever actually kind of makes sense to you in terms of what your end post is, breaking it down into smaller chunks by halves, by quarters, can help greatly create strategy. Another part of this can also be if I want to get to this end post, here's the, say, 10 things that need to happen to make that realistic. Out of those 10 things, these four things actually need to get done before anything else because the other six depend on it. So when we talk about the strategic side of this, it's also understanding what goes into that end post, what tasks what parts of it, how do we break it up into smaller chunks? Because that can make it easier to also plan what happens in H1, Q1, Q3. How do they link together? This is the high level thing that we're talking about. At a high level, we need to say, build out a new program within the organization and our program uh, I'm going to steal kind of from my past, uh, needs to model, say, the control systems of a nuclear power plant and be able to run through the power plant's testing procedures that they have, that they need to do uh, like every year or 18 months. And it's got to also account for if we want to increase power output, what do the new setputs of the control system have to be? Let's use that as an example. What has to happen to get that done? Okay, we've got to build the program. Okay, so we've got to physically understand what are the control systems that we're modeling. Okay, that's kind of task number one. What are all the equations and say the math that represent that control system? We've got to understand that. Number three, I got to build out a computer program to actually run that. And I've got to validate it. I've got to test it. Then we have to create a user interface for it. So that, depending on kind of what coding language you're getting into, and this is a good example of getting too far into the weeds actually, may become with the upfront stuff as you're coding, or it could come after the fact. If I get caught too much in the weeds of, okay, we want the user interface to look like this. We have to make it in, in this fashion. Here's how you actually code that. Um, here's how you say create rounded edges. You make it pop. Here's the wire structure of it. If I start going down that path, that's too tactical. We'll have people to be able to do that. So we want to zoom back out at a high level. Yes. Having a graphical user interface is a part of this, but I don't need to go in and design it and block out all the elements or even know which coding is going to be used to do it. Right. So just a quick illustration of 
too much in the weeds versus strategic. So once we understand like all the steps that go into the project, then it makes it easier to plan out what has to come first, how do they all fit together, and what is reasonable to say achieve by Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. We can use past experiences, past projects to help give us time estimates if we don't know them. Or maybe we're managing over an area that we're not as familiar with. That's what we have our folks for. We can go to them, get those estimates. So strategic planning doesn't have to just be you by your lonesome. You can get some help with that. But that's typically the gist. What is my end post? What's everything that goes into that end post? Right? How do they link together? And how do I start breaking that down into smaller time frame chunks to accomplish it? And we can go even further than quarters. We can go by months. We can go by weeks. You could even go by day. That helps us plan out how to strategically tackle a problem. That's a project example. I do want to give you another example. Because when we talk about, say, future focus, it's not just maybe this year and, hey, we have this project on our plate and this is what we want to accomplish. It can also be, I need to figure out where does this team go? Maybe right now we have a product that is all hardware, physical installations at our client's site. But we want to switch to a cloud offer. What do I need to get there? Right. So this maybe isn't a project that's currently on the plate, but this is the strategic path of everybody is shifting to cloud services. Do we want to be a part of that? If we do, what does that look like? What do we need to do as an organization to, again, accomplish that end post? What's the reasonable time frame to achieve that? What do we have to switch internally? The same type of process applies. It's just a little bit more of a future what if versus this is an actual project that's happening and this is how we chunk it out. Because there's multiple elements to strategic planning. Yes, strategic planning for something that's definitively happening, but also strategic planning for where do we want to take this organization or this team? Depending on your level in an organization, you're going to be in charge of different parts of that. The CEO is going to make that decision of where's this company heading, right? And that will roll downhill. For us, maybe say at the director or vice president level, maybe we get the question from our boss of, all right, we've been asked to explore what's going to happen. Uh, what do we need to do if we're going to shift, shift excuse me, to a cloud offering? Uh, I would love for you to work on that, that strategy, that plan, right? That's where we would perhaps kind of come into play in terms of building out what would that look like. And again, it's the same process. So I apologize for sounding like a broken record, but when we talk about how do I be more strategic, couple key things. Number one, stepping away from the day-to-day -day and the reactionary. We need to be more proactive, future-focused, and strategically understanding how to break things apart to appropriately plan for them. 
what are the tasks associated with them, how do they all interlock with each other, those will help us be able to plan and be more strategic and be more proactive. Oftentimes, we may feel, I don't have the time to do that. I could barely get my head above water. My food for thought question in there is, how true is that? What would happen if you dedicated just 20 or 30 minutes to thinking about what that future holds and how to plan for it? It may be a little bit more work up front, but how much time and effort are you actually saving on the back end? A lot of people kind of like this effort reward or effort impact type of graph. I would very much argue that while strategic planning up front may take more time to do up front, your efforts can be higher up front, but it's going to be a heck of a lot lower on the back end. Because when we have that future focus, we have that plan. It's not a, only easier to know where we're headed, how we're going to accomplish it. We're going to reduce senses of stress and overwhelm and anxiety because we have a plan in place and there's a lot of comfort that comes from a plan. And if our future also includes, I know there's a lot of pop-up work and asks a way to understand, here's my key objectives. Here's my strategic plan for the next year or three years. Here's how that does or does not fit in terms of that ask. Then I can more appropriately handle either putting it on the plate, putting it on the plate for a reasonable time frame, not always having to say yes and turn it around right away. And also being able to say no. There's many ways to be able to say no. But having that strategic vision and plan makes it easier to actually handle the reactionary and pop-up stuff that comes up day to day. And the last thing I'll say about it, and I do this on an individual level with people that I coach as well, is right now, how much of your work is actual pop-up work? It may be 5%, 10%, 20%. We never view it as part of our normal day-to-day -day, though. And because of that, it always drains us, works against us. I've got this to do, and now I have to I do this, and I just there's no way to get it done. One great trick is if I look at my week and I say, out of my 40 hours, let's just use that as an example, typically 10 hours of it is spent on pop-up work. Then strategically, I know I can dedicate 30 hours a week to my primary goals my primary objectives, my primary tasks. And that 10 hours can be dedicated to pop-up. The nice thing about doing that is it actually makes it easier to deal with the pop-up because I've already planned for it. Okay, in the 30 hours, here's what I can accomplish on my primary tasks. Here's what I can get done on it. And I may not get 10 hours this week of pop-up stuff. If I don't, I get time back. And getting time back always feels a heck of a lot better than feeling like I don't have time at all or enough time. So there's also an actual uplifting psychological component to planning the week like that because we often get that time back. So that's just one other trick on strategic planning.
So how do we be more strategic? All right, future focused, high level, proactive planning, stepping out of the day to day and being able to break things down into easily manageable chunks like the quarters, the months, the weeks that we were talking. This is how we be more strategic. I truly hope that you've enjoyed today. We're going to talk more on these kind of topics coming up. So I'm excited uh, to share more with you. If you have any questions, as always, please just let me know and reach out. And until the next time, be the movement in your life. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to it. If you would like to also learn more about grit, give, recognize, implement time, my company, Strive for More, or myself, Stephen Nathanson, please email me at steve at striveformore.com. And that's strive, F-O-R, more.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or you could visit our website at www.striveformore.com. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, be the movement in your life.